What is up, diehards? Wes Monell in the building for AWOL Sports, joined by Paul Durfee and Josh Riley talking NBA. Who's playing? Who's sitting? We'll take a peek at the playoffs and compare a couple of point guards. Hey, what up, Josh? What up, Paul? How's it going, guys? Doing the best we can living in the age of the pandemic, you know? Trying to stay sane. <laughs> For real, I'm stir crazy. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, same crazy times. Just really curious how this whole NBA thing's gonna shake out. It's gonna be. <laughs> hey, and that's what we're gonna get to the bottom to. Um, but not gonna lie, you guys know I got injured for my Achilles, and uh, when there's no hoops to watch, no sports to watch, you kind of. You go stir crazy, you kind of think a little too much, and I, I've been reminiscing, man. Um, I'm 33, got injured, first major surgery, and then I'm kind of reminiscing of my old playing days, and, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, it's crazy. I, I had never had a surgery before. I don't know about you guys, but um, Paul, I remember we we go way back, and we used to play um, one-on-one all the time. What did we play to? Oh, man, playing to 100. And all day at the gym, just playing whatever, playing a hundred, and then playing horse afterwards, and do the same the next day, rinse, repeat <laughs> all summer. So yeah, it's, it makes you uh, makes you uh, really appreciate the days when you could run up and down the court all day and not be sore the next day <laughs> or the next week. <laughs> <laughs> And Josh, what were you saying, man? You go to the court, you go from one game to the next. Yeah, like that was like my favorite thing is like you'll go with your boys and you would probably start out because maybe there was like five of you, so you couldn't get a game, so you just play 21. And then like some stranger would show up, you're like, hey, you want to run threes? And you run threes, and other people show up, and it's like fours, and it's fives. And then people leave, and it's like back to down to fours and threes, back to 21 or horse, but it was like, yeah, just always finding something to just keep playing and not having to leave. I remember like even the some of the best things is finding one of those little kitty courts and having a little dunk contest on those courts out there. And so like, yeah, I miss those days just being able to just run around and hoop all day and like Paul was saying, just rinse and repeat the next day. All yeah. along. To be a young hooper again. <laughs> Or just an athlete, you know, just being active. Yeah. All right, fellas. I know we got a lot of NBA to talk about. We've had a break some today. Um, but I think we all want to get to back to some of that normalcy. Uh, any semblance of normalcy will be fine. I mean, having – being able to watch The Last Dance helped a little bit because I was kind of on the edge of <laughs> – not being able to see any basketball play out. So seeing the news about them wanting to restart the season and everything was was some really great news to to hear for sure. Um, And then, yeah, it's just reading about how they're trying to figure all that out with the logistics and everything, especially surrounding the pandemic. And then not to mention everything that's happened the past couple of weeks with George Floyd and the protest and all that stuff. Um, yeah, when I heard about Kyrie talking about not really wanting to go, 
to Orlando because he feels like that's distracting from what's going on um, with the systemic racism and police brutality. I didn't really agree with that. I mean, I see where he's coming from, but I feel like that's kind of something that we as a country need right now is a sense of normalcy. And it's kind of like what LeBron said, it shouldn't really affect one way or the other. If anything, it should bring more attention because now you have an opportunity to be on a larger platform. Cause you know, everyone's at home. What are they gonna do? They're gonna watch basketball games. No one's going anywhere. So what more, a better opportunity to have an audience to be able to, you know, put your message out there that you wanna have off the court while still being able to entertain and give people a sense of, you know, normalcy and distraction from all the heaviness that's going on in the world right now too. So I do see his point when it comes to that, but yeah, I, I would hope that the players would want to play because I think also from their standpoint, there's a financial stipulation that they all decide not to play either because then the league could possibly go into a lockout and they might lose millions of dollars. So it's really tough because then you could even look at, the fact that their families won't be able to come with them when they do go to Orlando because they're basically going to be sequestered in this bubble that they called it. Um, but I feel like selfishly for me as a fan, I want to see some basketball and I want to see the Lakers get that chip. Like I don't want to wait until next year. I mean, forget having a show with unbiased. I'm biased. I want the Lakers to win the chip and I feel like this is a good chance for them to do it because I mean, LeBron is still playing like he's 10 years younger, but father time is undefeated. So you don't know exactly how much longer he has. So I want him to take advantage of that opportunity right now. I think he does too. A lot of guys just want to get back to hooping. You know, you talk about like when we were young kids, that's all I wanted to do was just hoop. Like we didn't want to stay in the house and do homework or anything. Any chance we got. We want to play like you were sick, you were cut, put a bandaid on it. I'm out back playing again. So I feel like that's a lot of players' mindset. And I mean, it's going to be really tough between the um, the NBPA and, you know, the guys. I think there are a bunch of players supposed to get on a Zoom call tomorrow or tonight, I think, earlier. Tonight. Um, and kind of talk about where, where they stand. So. Yeah, I hope they're able to work something out and be able to resume the season because I think that's I think that's what the country needs and what sports fans need as as a whole in this time. Something to deviate from all the craziness that's been that's been going on. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. So I really hope it is able to work out. That's pretty fair. Pretty fair to say, um, not only as a Laker fan, but as an NBA fan. Um, I'm a Bulls fan. Not like I care about the playoffs this year. Um, yeah, yeah. But I'm with you. I did care about the last dance. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man, I hear you. Um, I get it. It's a unique time for everybody. Never before seen. Um, and sure, um, guys like Carmelo Anthony, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, they've expressed the risk. They're not wrong. We're right. not wrong when it comes to the risk. We know that. They know that. Everyone knows that. Uh, I mean, I, to be honest, I think it comes down to 
what LeBron said, exactly what you just brought up, Josh. Um, you know, LeBron thinks he can hoop at the same time as be a social activist. You know, um, he created a group for voting rights. Um, he's always been someone involved. And I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate LeBron on and off the court. I respect him. Um, not just because the Lakers are the one seed. Kyle Kuzma wants the ball and says not everyone agrees with Kyrie Irving. We know that too. I mean, that's obvious. Uh, you know, it's not just Kyrie though. Dwight Howard's even said something, mentioned Melo. Um, we see guys that we know want to hoop that are in the thick of things when it comes to playoff basketball. Russell Westbrook speaking at, to crowds, Giannis Antetokounmpo speaking to crowds. It's cool. It's all good. Um, and I think the NBA, I don't think they're being only business minded. I think the NBA has been great when it comes to their players. Uh, I, I think they've always been a good league taking care of their players. Uh, prior so to this, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like going into a bubble, first of all, who doesn't want to go to Disney World? <laughs> Second of all, they're trying to keep you as safe as possible, putting you in a bubble, testing, all the above. I don't see anything wrong with the effort on the NBA's part, Adam Silver and company. And, um, I mean, maybe if you're a bubble team, you don't want to – I mean, because what I'm hearing is the Portland Trailblazers who have to play for an eight spot within mm -hmm. a, in a tournament with six other teams. That's what I'm hearing is Melo maybe not interested. Age plays a factor. Same uh, said yeah. And they're like four games out of the eighth seed, I think. So it's pretty unlikely they even get a shot at the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Nope. So, like, I, I don't know. I think if you're a team that has a legitimate chance to win a title, you want to play some ball. I, I don't think those players want to sit out. Um, for the record, Josh, you're a one seed. Paul, you're Sixers. Only two losses at home this year or something like that? Yeah. Which yeah, I think that's on. similar to the Lakers, by the way. But, uh, I mean, your two teams could be on a collision course. I'm curious what you think. How do we How do we get that crowd noise to just be, like, geared towards Philadelphia? Like, what is it about the A2K crowd noise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. That's uh... – <laughs> Yeah, the Sixers' home road splits is pretty ugly. I think they have the second most road losses of any team in the whole Eastern Conference. So it's just – it's been one of those weird years. But um, just uh, about what Josh said earlier, I think that's a really good point about how I think during this time it's a really good opportunity for players to use their platform to kind of get messages across because, you know, the whole world's going to be watching. So they're really going to – soak in anything they say or you know try to do i think so i think it's a really cool opportunity because it's all about you know creating conversations so people can talk about it and you know try to promote change so i think i think it's all like what lebron said is, is spot on um so as far as that goes and then as far as playing i don't know like i can see why certain players like i don't know if it's a combination of a lot of different things but i think motivation's a big factor too like you know, you got, you're forcing them to come back after all these months off, you know, live in a, a bubble, basically, playing an empty gym with, 
you know, other teams, it's like, I think some teams are like, oh, you know, well, is it really worth going through all this trouble just to try to finish a season? So I think I can kind of, especially if you're on the outside looking in as far as the playoff picture. So I, I can understand that a little bit. And then it's like for the top teams, you know, like what Kyrie's saying is, hey, if there's a lot of players that don't play, then, you know, is it going to, is it going to taint the actual, like, you know, the, the quality of the ball that's being played because, you know, not all the top players are going to be there. So then for like, whoever wins it is going to be like, oh, well, you won in a lockout season where there's no fans and, you know, not all the players even decided to come up to sh sh show up and play. So it's like, you know, there's just so many factors and so much weirdness around this whole situation that it almost, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see who shows up, who's motivated, you know, what the quality of the ball is going to be like. Is it going to be, you know, you know, noticeable different and noticeable difference in effort as far as defense or just, you know, in general, are they just going to be going through the motions or, you know, I'm sure there's going to be certain teams that are, you know, really motivated to play. But then again, if there's a bunch of teams or like players that aren't showing up, it's like kind of like, oh, well, okay. Like, thanks, you know, but, but yeah, that's just kind of some of my thoughts on it. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Everything's been crazy. And, We've thrown out crazy, weird, unique. I don't know if you all saw what I saw about possibly if if players sit out and their teams are still in, replacement players. Like I, what that means, I think, is, you know, G League. Um, Two-way players. Yeah. And uh, it, look, let's talk lockout. All right. Um, not kind of a lockout with the with players if this comes to fruition that don't play we've only seen this in football that's that's i haven't seen this in hoop and i mean i think football is easier to have a next man up mentality not that you know it's easier to play football or easier you know than basketball i just mean in a way of in hoop, man, <laughs> if you got game, you're on the floor. And if and if you have a niche or a specialty, that's cool. Do your thing when you're on the court and getting those minutes, but you're going to get exposed if you don't have an all-around game or if there's mismatches. Look, we, I'm not going to pick on a, a, an MVP that's probably a future Hall of Famer, Steph Curry. We see that man get picked on in the playoffs. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the quality of ball kind of to piggyback off of you, Paul, that a lot of that matters on who's on the floor. So I don't think that's going to be a problem with the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, the top teams like that going for the chip. I don't. Um, and in general, I don't, if, you're, if they're in the playoffs, I don't think we're going to see people sit out like, if the Blazers make it, I don't think Damian Lillard is gonna gonna chill on the sideline. You know that I don't think he has that in him. Yeah, I feel like competitiveness will eventually win out, especially if they do find out they're in the playoffs and go deeper into that. I think, yeah, that competitive nature you can't you don't become a pro athlete without being insanely competitive. So I think that would ultimately win out at the end of the day. 
Yeah, and I think those eight games are kind of hopefully will be kind of a springboard to not only get them back up to speed and, you know, get them in shape again, but also kind of like maybe give them that hunger and that that drive again, like, okay, basketball's back, like, let's go, like, give them a few games to kind of just give that that mojo back and that swagger. So hopefully that'll all help. But, but like you said about replacement players, I think um, – Hey, like I said, there's a lot, that's going to be a lot of opportunity maybe for certain teams that, you know, maybe have players sit out. Cause I mean, we really don't know who's going to sit out or if this is just a big thing that he's, he's going, or if there's actually like, you know, 25, 40, I don't know, players like actually, you know, are thinking about not playing. So could be, you know, it's going to be a lot of opportunity for guys who don't usually get to play maybe. And, you know, that, that might actually help the quality of the basketball because those guys are going to be playing their ass off, you know? So. Um, that's a really good point yeah and, and another thing is with with basketball your G League team doesn't generally I mean see much NBA time or NBA action at all so maybe it might be something like baseball where your minor league system actually is a big part of how well your your major league team does because you know those players are feeding in to your team and those that's how you build a good team but in basketball you don't really see that as much like the good guys, top guys get drafted, they just go straight to the NBA. They don't really go through the G League. So it might be actually interesting to see, hey, which teams actually have a decent G League team and actually care about, you know, recruiting further down those two rounds that the NBA draft is and, you know, things like that. So so maybe some of those aspects might come into play. That's true. And I know, like, look, we're all diehards. But the reality of even so, if that came about, which G League guys are really getting minutes? And if they are getting those that burn in playoff basketball, which would surprise me, but if they are, probably limited roles. I wouldn't think more than 20 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we've been surprised before. I mean, who was Kendrick Nunn? <laughs> I mean, that's a – that's a cool story, man, over in Miami. But, like, so it, it's a good point, Paul. But I am curious, which role players, if star players sit out in playoff basketball, which role players step up and maybe show not only us but themselves, oh, shoot, they had that in them? A little, a little bit more dog in them, a little bit more skill, maybe a little bit more confidence to change – you know, maybe it changes their their career path. Maybe someone's really got game that didn't get th- that opportunity, that shine, and maybe they just seize the moment and kind of do their thing. I mean, what do you think about that, Josh? I mean, if I was in their shoes, that's an opportunity that I would pounce on immediately. I mean, you think about it, a lot of times these guys are – they got so much pressure, especially when they come in the league, trying to prove themselves and, you know, secure a spot on the team, knowing that, you know, they might have like this superstar player playing ahead of them who is not going anywhere anytime soon. And they got a guy behind them who's breathing down their neck. And so they just, it's hard to kind of like focus on bettering yourself. And so I feel like that might be an opportunity, you know, playing in an empty gym, so you don't have people like jeering at you and, you know, people talking crap. You don't have, you don't have to really look over your shoulder 
or worry about the superstar player who's going to replace you if you mess up. It's almost kind of like a can't-lose situation because even if things do go bad, you could theoretically be like, well, LeBron didn't want to play in this one, so there's no one else going to step up. It was me. I did everything that I could. There was a pandemic. We got stuck in this, like, the excuses that could fly off the shelf, you know, are, are endless. But I feel like, kind of like what you were saying, um, Wes, it's a, just a great opportunity to, if nothing else, work on their game on that kind of stage and maybe see something in themselves that they may not have known was there and change their whole career trajectory from there. So I, kind of like what Paul was saying, the, comp- the level of competition and intensity might go up because if you have a bunch of guys out there trying to prove themselves as opposed to guys who are like, well, I'm concerned about this or I'm concerned about this money or this social issue, all valid, of course. But if you go and have guys who just have to try to prove themselves like we did on the playground, like just always trying to do that, I think that might even, that might turn out to be something that's actually really good for the league. We don't know. So I think that's something that would be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. I also, look, also look at those free agents that possibly pick up the J.R. Smith and Jamal Crawfords and then those guys that might have another 15th opportunity to try to prove themselves. They always come and then leave and then come back. Like it's to, to be a journeyman in the NBA. Yeah. And and Paul, I know you got you got your eye on some matchups when it comes to playoff basketball, what we keep alluding to, what we keep talking about. Actual action on the floor again. What are you looking at, man? Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a matchup in the East and then one in the West just to kind of, you know, see what's going on. But uh, not to try, I'm not trying to be biased since I'm a Sixers fan, but I feel like the the kind of the best matchup in the East would be the Heat and the Sixers in the first round because I'm looking at the Bucks and the Raptors got the one and the two pretty much you know settled in, and then you know Brooklyn and um, I don't know. I forget who is the eight seed right now, but I mean, they're so far off that, you know, those, those aren't even going to be competitive first round matchups, but so that leaves Boston and Indiana or, you know, Philly or Miami, or maybe it depends on, you know, those could flip flop, but I look at that one and I, I think that one could be a great series. I mean, you got, you know, the Miami, you kind of came out of nowhere a little bit this year, you know, like you said, you just mentioned Kendrick Nunn. Um, you know, and Bam Adebayo's had a big breakout year so far. Jimmy Butler's kind of really helped those young guys grow. And, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's, it's cool to see a team like that, you know, that just plays hard every night, you know, especially going into the, like we just talked about, like, as far as the motivation levels, you know, that, that's a, that's a type of team that could make noise because, you know, they're going to play hard every night. So, um, so, yeah, Jimmy Butler against his old foes in, in the Sixers, you know, I think that'd be a, a really fun series and, you know, a lot of back and forth. They've had – even this this season, you know, it's been – there's been some really close, good games. And, you know, now both teams are going to be fully healthy as well because, you know, Butler had, the, I think, a little toe injury before everything happened. And then Simmons had, had the back issue. So, you know, you're going to get a full – full squad and you know I think 
you know, it'll be, I think it'd be a really fun uh, matchup. And then um, in the West, I'm looking at, you know, if things play out right, you could see a little Houston OKC action, which would be, which would be really fun also. Cause you know, you got the whole, you know, flip-flop of Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, you know, and then, you know, OKC is not even supposed to be competitive this year. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know, big, big um, leaps from uh, Shea, Gilgis Alexander, you know, making big, and then Danilo Gallinari's had a really good year. Um, so I think Chris Paul's really helped stabilize them and they're, you know, 40, like 40 and 24 or something. It's just, so it's crazy to see that. And, you know, Houston's right there too. And, just to see their style of play, like it's going to be interesting to see how Houston plays that small ball lineup, you know, when going into the playoffs and how that's going to, how that's going to match up with different teams and how they're going to handle that because, you know, they're going to be playing fast and they're going to be shooting a lot of threes. So <laughs> it's going to be fun to see. So I think that that would be an interesting matchup, you know, Russell going back to OKC and then Chris Paul, you know, back to Houston. So um, those are kind of the two, like, dream matchups I'm looking at that hopefully maybe come together in the first round. And PJ Tucker's playing the five for Houston. Small, small ball. Tiny balls that they're doing. Oh man. PJ at the five. I think Robert Covington's a five too. I don't know. He's he might be a little taller, but yeah. Um Mike D'Antoni, right? But um yeah Paul, to touch on your matchups there, man. Um, Miami looks pretty strong. Here's the thing with Miami and Philly. They usually say the playoff series does not start until someone wins on the road. Those teams don't lose at home. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of these playoff teams, I don't know when these series are going to start. I think a lot of them being fresh. But but here's the thing. Is there really a home court advantage anymore? (laughs) I mean, if they're going to play in a bubble in the same spot in an empty gym like we do on a random Tuesday or on the weekend, I mean, I don't know what to expect. There, there's not going to be any home and away splits anymore. So, I mean, does that change the makeup of a team playing in a neutral ground? It'll almost show their true colors maybe in a sense because it'll tell us like who who's going to play hard no matter if there's fans in the stands, no matter, you know, what the situation is, you know, it's like, hey, empty gym, I don't care. You know, we'll see who's who's really ready to play. Yeah, you'll see who's just willing to hoop just for the love of hooping and who's wanting to do that for the limelight and all that. Like, I feel like that's where you'll see that difference there for sure. That's true. And, I mean, I got to ask you, both of you, Who's the better point guard? I'm not just talking today, but career. Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook? Oh, that's really? I I really don't know what you guys think on that. It's tough because they're two such different breeds of point guard. Like, they're not – Chris Paul is – the prototypical old school point guard, you know, pass first, set everybody up. Westbrook is with the new school, you know, and so it's, but he did average a triple double for three seasons. So it's, it's, (laughs) which is 
just absolutely insane. But I would have to, it's funny because I actually had this conversation a couple weeks ago with some coworkers because they were talking about is Ben Simmons a top five? And when I gave my list, I had him out, but I had Chris Paul in there. And she like lost her mind. But I was like, Ben Simmons can't shoot. But that's another that's another topic for another Real time. Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I love Ben Simmons, I do, but he's gotta get that outside shot. Um, but I I have to give it to Chris Paul, not only because of what he's done for his career, um, even though he's, you know, never gotten to the finals or anything. But if you even just look at this year, I was one of those people, when you look at the roster for OKC, I was like, oh, okay, this would be a fun rebuilding year. They'll maybe get the lottery, come out next year to start building that up. But then you put Chris Paul there, and he didn't even really want to be there. And Like, there was all this speculation. And yet he turned him into this playoff team, and he elevated everybody around him which is what a good point guard is supposed to do. Westbrook doesn't always do that. Like he's, he's ball dominant, Harden is ball dominant. And so it's, it's tough to kind of see if that works all the time. Fortunately it does because in seven seconds or less than Tony offense, that, that always seems to kind of work because everyone's jacking up shots. Everyone's going to have more opportunities for attempts. Um, but yeah, overall, though, I would have to, and I love Westbrook to death, but I would have to give it to to Chris Paul just for everything he's done over his whole career and the longevity of it and still being effective this late into his career. I mean, the dude caught an oop in the All-Star game. I had to watch that clip like maybe 15 times because I wasn't sure if it was him or somebody else. So it's like he he's still he's still affecting everything on the court. So, yeah, I have to go with CP3. Yeah, I'm I'm with you same way. Um, I'd lean slightly towards him as well. Like I think uh, you really brought up a good point at the end there about longevity. And I think this question was about kind of their careers in general. So I just feel like he's done it for so long. And like you said, he's the prototypical point guard who elevates his his um, teammates. And you know, like you said, Westbrook doesn't always do that. So. And as good as Westbrook is, as gifted as he is, which is he's crazy gifted. But um, I mean, I guess it depends too on like who you have on your team as far as the personnel. Like I know it's like if maybe if you don't have another ball dominant player, you need Westbrook to kind of be that guy, then maybe he fits better. But, you know, if, if you got, you know, other guys who maybe are more ball dominant, maybe you want, you know, Chris Paul on your team more. So it, it kind of de- maybe depends on that a little bit as well. But um but yeah, plus plus the stroke, man. Chris Paul's got a sweet stroke. That three point, like, I don't know. I just, I think of Westbrook, and you know, he's done some great things, but he's still shooting threes. Why does he still shoot threes? Thirty percent, man. Like that just kills your team, man. When you when you do that, so I don't know. Just I just feel like Chris Paul's just the the smarter player. He's if I'm thinking of a big game, who I'd want, it's it's him. For sure. Oh, without question, yeah. <laughs> I, I respect those opinions. I 100% You're about disagree. to play advocate, aren't you? I disagree, and that's not just... Yeah, you, the way you set that up, you know, it's like he's about to go the other way. <laughs> you hear them, Russ? You hear them right now, man? Come on. You went to UCLA, too. You would think Josh would like you. 
I do. I love him. I'm playing. I'm playing. Um, I'm going with a guy that he's Oscar Robertson Jr. MVP, gone to the finals. I seen CP3 underachieve a lot. If I have to go back to CP3's first team as his best years, that's not a compliment coming from me as far as your career. I mean, you talk about seven seconds or less. You're right. It's probably better for Westbrook. Um, but, man, I, I'd rather have seven seconds or less with Westbrook than 20 seconds out of a 24-second shot clock of CP3 being too alpha. Um, man, I get it. I get it. You're not wrong. I play point guard. I was a traditional point guard. I love the point guard position. I respect Chris Paul. He's just never been on one of my favorites lists. You'll never hear me say Chris Paul is the best point guard in the game any year of his career. That's just one man's opinion. Um, he's fun. If Chris Paul allowed his teammates to, to be more involved in a way of handling He's just a, too much of a dribble addict for me. And I know you can say that about Russ, but I think his is more of in an in a athletic sense as opposed to Chris Paul just be like, no, you're going to set this pick when I want you to set this pick and you're going to cut when I point at you to cut. You're going to listen to me on what I say rather than, yo, we're on the floor list. Who? And it just bothers me a lot. His play style bothers me. I respect his game, his longevity for sure. Um, I just will never say Chris Paul's an all-time great point guard. Um, I may not say that about Russell Westbrook, but I have Westbrook higher on that list, if that makes sense. Um, here, before we cut out, give you an old-school example. I would take John Stockton over Chris Paul. How about that? That's... Hmm. That's good because I well I kind of. He's been to two finals. Uh, he had the mailman, but CP3 had Blake Griffin. I mean, I'm not saying they're the same. I'm just going along the lines of Utah, <laughs> Utah made two finals, man, and CP3 had some teams. He had Doc Rivers, bro. I don't know how the Clippers didn't have one Western, one finals appearance. I mean, but, you can look at it again. Too, you could look at it at, at personnel. I mean, CP3, I mean, yes, I say you can elevate people, but you can only elevate people so much, really. And with the Jazz, like Stockton had Malone, he had Jeff Hornacek, he had Byron Russell, even Greg Ostertag. Like, he had a pretty loaded squad of guys. The thing with Stockton, Stockton though, that I forgot about um, until – you said Greg Ostertag. Yeah, I did say Greg Ostertag. Just to show y'all, I didn't forget <laughs> that he, he actually played. Antoine I couldn't stand Clark. him, but he played. Um, but the, huh? I was just saying Antoine Carr, Adam Keith. Yeah, hey, you know. <laughs> but the thing with Stockton, though, that always blew me away was just – I think there was a few years in the league he was averaging like 15 assists a game and still 
and leading the league in, in steals and still able to like drop 20 or 30 on you on any given night. This dude that looks like an accountant who just bought an NBA uniform somewhere and got lost on his way to the arena, who's just balling out, you know? So I think hmm, that's still so tough though, because they, I feel like CP3 and John Stockton do have a lot of similarities, so. But I would have to give it to, to Stockton just by, just by a little bit. If for nothing else, just for his consistency. I mean, Chris Paul led the league a lot of years in assists too, but not like, not like Stockton did. All-time steals leader, all-time assists leader, two finals appearances. Paul, who you got, man, on that? Well, yeah, I, that's tough. Uh, man, I don't know. Like, obviously, I watched more Chris Paul than, than John Stockton, but, you know, I've obviously seen plenty of his games from back in the day. But I don't know. I mean, the thing I like about – and I'll go back to the Westbrook point. The thing I, bo- I like about both Chris Paul and John Stockton is they were efficient – from the field. So you got that's and that's another knock I have on Westbrook is just his his usage rate is out of control as far as like the amount of shots he took per game because you know he's always in the low forties as far as field goal percentage, you know, barely scratching 30 from the three-point line. And then you got these guys like Chris Paul and John Stockton who are shooting nearly 50% from the field every year, you know, close to 40, if not 40 from three, and you know, 90 close to 90 from the line. So those I think that type of efficiency I can really appreciate. And I think that's kind of, you know, what really helps your team more than you just, you know, not that, not that Westbrook was a stat chaser, but, you know, just certain things. It's like, you know, you shoot 40 times a game, you know, you get your triple double, but is that really the best thing for your team kind of thing? So I don't know. It, it's, it's tough. Cause like Josh said too, it, they're so different, you know, just like so different. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think just with the assists and the passing and I don't know, it's just those two are so close. But I guess I would give a slight edge to Stockton as well. But I mean, I don't, it's, that's a hard one. 3-0 old school. Woo. That's what I like. Stockton too, yeah. That's what I like. Awesome. Great. Awesome, fellas. Any last words? Oh. Mm. What time is it? <laughs> That's good enough for me, fellas. 